right? And it, it completely painless, whichever one you choose. Which one would I remove and why? You can remove any body part. Or which one would you want me to remove and why? Well, I mean, what what's left in its place? Like nothing. It's just empty. Is it just skin, or is it just, is there a gaping hole? Does it like? It's just as if it's just nothing there. It. It's I've just taken it away. I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like I've I've been asked the question as to whether would I rather lose an arm or a leg before, and I always, without fail, say I'd rather lose a leg because prosthetic limbs are so much more advanced for legs than they, they are for arms. arms. Yeah, exactly. But like, I couldn't lose any of the the parts of my face because I don't want to lose a scent. Like uh, a scent, a sense. I don't want to be like scent. losing a sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, trying sense. To, he's trying to save money as well as his uh, facial features. <laughs> no, I want to keep. I want to keep my ears so I can still hear. I want to keep. Obviously, my eyes and my nose are necessary. So, I suppose it it boils down to. Oh, it would probably have to be like a foot, and then get a prosthetic one put in. Surely. Yeah, yeah I think, I'd, I'd say so. Which foot? Left because if they put a prosthetic one on, I might be able to get a more a more useful foot. So imagine I've now got a right and a left foot when I'm playing football. You shit a football though, so. I am, yeah. If I get a, like a bionic left foot, all of a sudden I might be Ronaldo. You're in the hope you're gonna get an absolute wand of a left foot. A hundred percent. I want I want Messi's left foot, his particular left foot in place of my own. Well, yeah, I can't really argue with it, can I? Dodgy, what about you? Actually, um, I would, I'd go, I'd go probably toe. I can do with a oh, toe, maybe. That's such a cop out that is. <laughs> it is a, a cop out, but I was going to say foot as well, and that would make uh, a good conversation. Which so. toe though? Little one. Aren't you little one supposed to be quite important? Though? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not versed in toes. I just. I think feet are the ugliest part of the body, like external part of the body. You know what? I get rid of. <clears throat> My right ear. Your ear. My right yeah. one. Why your right ear? Why not just like an ear generically? Because it's shit. I can't hear from it. Can you actually not? Well, it's not like completely deaf. It's like I was born with it like half deaf and I had loads of tests mm-hmm. on it and everything and I just wasn't responding when they were playing these noises through that ear. And it's still a bit dodgy now. So if you can hear a little bit through it, but not entirely, but you lose it, you then can't hear at all. So isn't that like spending a grand when the, the thing was meant to be 1,500 and saying, I've saved 500 pounds? You haven't. You spent a grand. Like, if you're trying to correct the hearing by locking that it like That sounds like when Garrity buys something, he's like, oh, I spent, spent all this money. And then it's like, oh, yeah, but I said, I said it was all half price, so it's all right. <laughs> a saving well, of 1,000 pounds. <laughs> But he spent a thousand. <laughs> I guess if I lost my right ear, I'd hope that the left one would become even better and just have surround sound. That would be pretty sick. Because right, it's a bit of a nuisance, especially because my uh, my earphones that only the right one works. So we're in a bit of trouble. It's not here. great, but just use your left. Put it in your left ear. But it's molded, isn't it? An iPhone oh, one. Oh, oh, just got... so it's not going to work. No. But oh well. True. well, we'll just push it in really far and hope that it, hope, hope it does. gets through. <laughs> so that is the uh, the only bit of this whole podcast that's not drug related. 
the rest of it is completely to do with drugs. Actually, I set myself a target today while I was in work to see if I could say drugs 50 times during this podcast. Drugs. <laughs> so I might keep a tally. And then, well, I've not started counting yet. <laughs> Probably should have because I've got at least 10. But I we might should, uh, start counting. We should put something in in the edit. So re-record a tally at the end. Or just, well, we'll have you guess how many times you said it as you go. And then when you're editing it through, count how many stay in. And whichever whichever listener gets closest before we put up the next one, maybe maybe they Wins get a prize. Yeah, exactly. yeah, shout out prize, yeah. Like a, a classic quiz prize, one kilo of anything they want. Well, no, what if they say like gold? <laughs> one well, kilo of within kilo reason. Drugs. <laughs> <laughs> within reason. Pods will sell you some of the shrews. <laughs> or we'll send them a kilo of anything. Oh, I like drugs. that. I like that a lot. Drugs. <laughs> Just a kilogram drugs. drugs. <laughs> I mean, they get a kilo of caffeine. That's what they're getting. Like, no, it'd have to, to be, be something fit. like kilogram of steel or a kilogram of feathers. Which is heavier? Which is heavier? <laughs> steel, because steel is heavier than feathers. So oh, I'm gonna man. kick us off with a. Uh, I was doing a bit of research, and I, I stumbled across a few jokes for you. Oh, drug-related jokes. I've got three. Is one of them the shoe one? Don't ruin it. Oh, <laughs> I've not heard this yet. It's a classic one. I've this. got two drug-related jokes now, thanks to Dancy. <laughs> Cheers. You can tell it to Henry. You can tell it to Henry. Right, what do you call a duck? What do you call a duck with a cocaine addiction? I don't know. A quackhead. Oh, God. I can see the standard already. Yeah. <laughs> Bought some shoes from a drug dealer. Something wrong with the laces because I've been tripping all day. Fuck off. <laughs> that one's quite good, but I have heard it before. I like it, but I don't want to like it. <laughs> What's the difference between a prostitute and a drug dealer? I don't know. A prostitute can wash a crack and sell it again. Okay, that one gets a few snaps. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Right, Dodsy, get us going then. What have you got for us so, today? Um, so we're going to start off with the... I've been chomping at the bit to re- do this all week. I'm not going to lie. I've been loving this stuff. Stuff. Um, I'm going to start with the theory called the Stone Ape Theory. Now, I just want to point out at the start that in, this isn't, in fact, a theory. Like, uh, it, they, the people... Um, Terence McKenna... Um, writer, psychedelics enthusiast, um, spiritual geezer, and like called it the stoned ape theory. However, um, very rightly pointed out that it's it's not actually a theory because there's nothing, there's no concrete evidence to back up this theory. So in fact, it's a hypothesis. Um, Right. This this was pointed out by a, a guy called Paul Stamets, who it's like mushroom guy, quite interesting. He's been on Joe Rogan a bit. I think I've and, heard of him, yeah. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it's in fact a hypothesis because there's no concrete evidence, and it's just a, and it's been yet to be proved. So if we jump in the TARDIS and go back to about. Um, <laughs> Two million years ago. Oh no! We were having this conversation the other day. I know. I know. We, Doctor I, Who I, chat's just I abysmal, and Doctor you've Who. just you've just brought it up there. 
Fine, we'll oh, hop in the DeLorean. We'll hop that's in the DeLorean. Better, yeah. yeah, there we go. I've got time. We'll hop in the DeLorean. We'll go back two million years. And we, we arrive in Africa. And at this period of time, Homo Homo erectus is roaming free, our old ancestor. The the um, evolutionary descendant of us Homo sapiens. We then fast forward to about 70,000 70, million years. Uh, Seventy year uh, Seventy thousand. Put your teeth in, lad. Come on. <laughs> I'm spasticated. Um, Seventy thousand years on. ago, and Homo sapiens, as we know, have evolved. However, our brains have expanded by twice the size of Homo erectus. Right. There is currently nothing to, no substantial theory in science to, to explain why this is, this has occurred over this. Over this million and a half, a million and year, one one and a half million year time period. So when you say like it's expanded, you mean been able to use more of the brain, or the brain's just got bigger? No, it's just got twice as big, basically. Yeah. Right. Okay. So from Homo erectus to Homo sapiens, for over that over about one and a half million years, our brains expanded by by a magnitude of two, basically. Okay. Um, and and currently, there's nothing to explain. There's no evidence or sound theory to explain why this it why this happened, basically. So, Terence McKenna, Godfather of magic mushrooms, psychedelics, what have you. What he proposed he proposed a theory where during this time, he he said that Africa was becoming a large desert, basically. The Sahara was becoming larger and larger, desertification across northern Africa. And Homo erectus, around about this period, was roaming around. He was trying to get out of the desert. He needed to get somewhere where there was more food, more shelter, and he was going to go to the tropics. One of the, one of the things that Homo erectus was going to do when he was trying to find food, he would be following the tracks of large animals such as cattle, wild cattle that might roam free in Af- Africa. And what do wild cattle produce? Loads of shit, basically. Um, right. So they'd be walking around looking looking for this these tracks, looking for the shit. And one of the, one of the things that likes to grow in shit are the uh, magic mushrooms. So the psilocybe cubensis mushroom. And Terence McGenna thought that while following these trails of shit and uh, cattle prints, that our early ancestors would have picked up one of some of these mushrooms and scoffed them, basically. Oh, this would, this what? It wouldn't. It wouldn't scoff the shit. Yeah, they're They just clean them off in the river. Shitty mushrooms. Shitty mushrooms. Ew. Um. Anyway, so. Some of the effects that this would would create were, if they were taken in a low dose, they can increase sharpness in sight and awareness. So he, so Terence McKenna proposed that this helped Homo erectus, early Homo erectus, to find food, to find, to be become a better hunter. And then in mild, in more stronger doses, he said that these mushrooms increased sexual. Uh, uh, sexual stamina 
and physique, and therefore that made made Homo erectus want to breed more, and also created a, a greater sense of community within the within the tribes of early man, basically. So it all sounds pretty positive then. And yeah, so, and it's, he also said that it was quite possible that these these mushrooms, Homo erectus scoffing these mushrooms, um, also helped the evolution of our language and created connections in our brain which enabled us to converse with one another and similar, basically. And like when I first heard about this, I thought, oh, well, if it's not going to happen if someone just scoffed one mushroom. But imagine this was happening over... Yeah, they're doing it like every day, aren't they? Millions of years, um, over a million years of people scoffing mushrooms. Having these like, maybe sometimes small, sometimes maybe massive trips. And so, yeah. And then, so in theory, it sounds all right. If you So I've got a list of for and against sort of evidence for the for this theory base for this hypothesis should i say um so basically so in the four corner for this hypothesis um it's already known to science that apes and chimpanzees maybe well species of apes it is known that species of ape do eat shrooms basically there's quite a lot of animals that actually eat shrooms um is that just like normal mushrooms or is this the ones that produce psychedelic no this is like psychedelic mushrooms so right there are so apes are known to eat psychedelic mushrooms basically and a lot lots of other animals like to eat them as well um but that's another that's another story really um one of the other things is there's no other explanation at the minute as i said before there's no other explanation why the expansion of uh, our brains happened uh, around around about this period in time um I would also argue that maybe we don't understand uh, psychedelic mushrooms enough to uh, to to warrant us dismissing them for this uh, for this th- for this hypothesis, basically. And it it was more than likely that the humans that back then did, in fact, eat these eat psychedelic mushrooms or some form of psychedelic plant, seeing as uh, every native race of people across the earth except for what except for one exclusion have in their culture the uh conservation of uh, psychedelic natural psychedelic products basically what's the exclusion uh the the inuit people don't eat any because there's no plants that grow up there basically so oh, oh yeah it's too cold for them to, it's too to grow cold it. pretty much yeah so that makes it pretty plausible um so I'm, the I'm... against I'm getting like the idea that they to the eating these mushrooms is making yeah. them trip out a bit. Mm. That's sending off a load of like neuron signals. Yeah, it's in different parts of the brain and stuff. Yeah, I can understand lot... that and potentially using more of the brain because of that. But mm. how does that grow the brain then? Um, well, I guess it's like over evolution. You're ending up with surely using the brain more would. In, would involve needing more connections. Hmm. Yeah, so, so are we like treating the brain just like a normal muscle? The more well, you use it, yeah, yeah, exactly. the bigger it's going to become. Well, I was going to just go back to like the sort of basic principles of evolution, as it as said in the theory, like there's increased sex 
and there's increased um so that means there's more children being born and obviously the ones with bigger brains are going to survive so that's i guess that's how it links so oh, so it could just be natural selection then yeah so it, it would have been like natural selection but there is probably like we don't understand like what shrooms do in the brain but yeah having been like known or seen in studies already to like cure depression cure anxiety make people stop smoking and that it does form it may it probably can like re-trigger new new pathways in the brain and like yeah. kick old cycles of thought basically in the brain because there's going to be for for natural selection to work there's going to be the initial mutation that causes the variation within the population so mm-hmm. presumably it does does the theory suggest that the use of psychedelics could have perhaps triggered the mutation then or contributed to that because otherwise i think it probably could have contributed it seems plausible that's one of the things against it like new like people who are in that sort of field like neurologists and brain chemists and all these people say that that's quite unlikely i think it's more likely going down the path of increased sexual te- desire increased sex and then that sort of sped up natural selection like maybe right. they're just at it like rabbits however basically. however that's that's debatable as well because it's like it might not actually be it's not really like um accredited that mushrooms actually do that like increase sexual desire and that that's not like been found so far so okay but i mean i th- i think i understand what you're saying about the the fact that there's there's a gap in the human evolution that we've not really explained and some scientists are suggesting that okay well have we considered the the potential that the change in behavior that corresponded with the mutation could have been mm-hmm. linked to the consumption of psychedelics then yeah i don't also i would i don't know if you'd use to i don't know about the word term uh scientist because uh i mean yes he was <laughs> This guy, uh, Terence McKenna, yes, he was like into like psychedelics and all that sort of. However, he did also come from like a very sort of philosophical and sort of like mystic background as well. So he's all into this shame, like shamanism and uh, spiritual <laughs> healing and all this sort of stuff. So, like Paul Paul Stamets is more into that sort of thing. He's had like published papers published about mushrooms and that sort of thing and he he believes it so yes it does there are probably people with scientific backgrounds out there who do think this however i wouldn't i wouldn't say terence mckenna was like necessarily a scientist okay fair enough (laughs) more a bit more of a guru getting towards that area yeah i mean he was he was uh described as the timothy o'leary of uh the 90s and timothy o'leary was the guru who pushed lsd in the 1960s basically Hmm. he started he started out as a a scientist but then he sort of became a bit more of a public advocate for uh, for lsd pretty much by the way can i just add that i've not got a clock of precisely how long we've been on the stoned ape theory so far but i would just like to say a big round of applause for the three of us Considering none of us laughed at the word erectus at any stage, I never said. <laughs> oh, you're so immature. You're immature. We're having, we're having a considered. This is interesting. Interesting. And you just dumbed it down. <laughs> I didn't want to laugh after the first one because 
I didn't want to be that guy, but I just it got to the point where I start I started counting how many times you were saying it. I won't release the number of times that you that you used the oh, word. Uh, I giggled probably on every other one. I forgot to count how many times I've said drug. No, drugs. you don't have to. You can do it in the edit. Do it. Do it in the edit. I'm supposed to guess one, huh? Yeah, yeah, but you guess at the end. You're not meant to count. If you're guessing, then you just give a random number. Otherwise, you're just stating. Yeah, but I want to get it right. Well, no, that's a bit like that just ruins the point. You have a guess at the end. And if other people are having a guess, I just want to know how good I am at counting. <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> I'm not fake, I promise. <laughs> I have a degree. I've got a degree now. Got a degree. So everybody thinks I'm thick from listening to this podcast. One, fair. Two, <laughs> shove up your arse, stick it in your pipe and stick it where the sun don't shine. Fuck off. Shove it up your arse, he's the best prop in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the reason you're doing this podcast, uh, Walker, is so you can expand your mind. We're teaching you things. Yeah, You're exactly. only trying to get greater, greater brain capacity. Big brain. Every day is a school Big day brain. when I'm with you guys. Yay. Um. Anyway, back to the back to the theory. Back to, back to reality. I don't know about reality. It's still pretty Swedish, isn't it? <laughs> um. So yeah, the 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 against arguments are quite quite damning. To be fair, like. Uh, Oh. Um, shrooms, shrooms haven't really been found. Like psychedelic mushrooms haven't really been found in Africa. They're not known to be like to have grown there, really, and they still don't really grow there. So that sort of rules that that out. Well, um, does that rule that out though? Because if you're saying it was millions and millions of years ago, yeah. When... Well, um, well, I let's... don't know how far back that goes, but was. Did Pangaea exist? I don't know. Maybe no, it's all, that... all Pangea... split off. Pangaea was hundreds of millions of years ago. We're only... Yeah, that, that was an awful How long far time, away right? are we then? How far away are we talking? Because I forgot. What do you mean how K. far? Well, two million years ago. How far away from what? Like from Pangaea? Like no. So we're two million years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the state of the earth was then. Never mind. It was pretty, pretty much, pretty much normal. It was pretty much the same uh, as it is today. I told you, every day is a school day. <laughs> um, You're learning. However, to answer your answer your question before I got a bit misinformed, um, there's not really any fossil record for mushrooms existing around there either. Because um, it's random, all that's why. Yeah, that's probably why. Um. In his original book, I think he created a book. He wrote a book, Terence McKenna, called "The Food, The Food of God," all about psychedelic mushrooms, and that's where he first proposed this. However, he based his findings on and misquoted uh, figures and findings from a scientific paper by a guy called Fisher. So he's a fraud, uh, basically. So pretty much, yeah, it's it's a bit fraudulent. Um, also, while like he says that. There's a sense of community being created by taking these mushrooms. In human history, the both well, we'll start with the Aztecs who, well, they took copious amounts of shrooms, but they also murdered copious amounts of people and sacrificed them to uh, the sun god. So it doesn't really add up. And then correlation is not causation. The the native uh, the Native Americans also take psychedelics and also have. 
had quite a bloody pla- bloody past as well. Yeah, but what what peoples don't have a bloody past? Like if you say the yeah, Native Americans true. did, like the Europeans rocked up and just slaughtered them. Albeit there was more nuance to it than that, but I'm just like I'm just, everyone's bloody past. I'm just guessing like maybe that like the sense of community like part of it isn't as convincing as some of the other bits of it, maybe. That's what okay. I guess. That's, that's, what that's I not really the important bit anyway. I don't think. No, it's not really. It's the. I think the bit more is the hunting and the shagging. He's just shagging all day and night and producing kids with massive brains. Yeah, pretty much. Popping out mega minds left, right, and centre. Now there was a bit because I've done a little bit of research on this before myself, just outside of the pod. And the bit that convinced me wasn't so much because the biological route you've taken regarding brain size, I don't pretend to know enough about what can trigger mutations mm. stimulate evolution to understand that. So like I kind of am willing to accept scientific opinion way ahead of mine on whether or not there's any legs for that. Mm. I read a bit about how it contributed to to language and numbers and everything and shapes. Yeah. And that really I don't know how much you've you've seen on that, but there's some pretty unbelievable suggestions regarding that. Yeah, I I'd I'd buy that as well to be well, fair. Yeah, I guess that was what my uh, my finishing note was. Um, while it might be debatable whether like the sort of classic stone ape uh, theory does it does well actually happened. Um, the woman, the the great Arist- English aristocrat uh, Amanda Fielding said that while while the theory may not accurately may not be accurate, early humans and present humans. Have always been drawn to using them, using psychedelics in art, music, language, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, I was about to say that. I was going to say, following on from what Hilton said about language and shape and stuff like that, I'd have gone probably less scientific and gone, a lot of artists are hippies that just smash drugs. Yeah. So creative <laughs> expression. So if if we're taking uh, a Homo erectus. An, an artist version of them that are just smashing mushrooms, then it's quite possible they could have created language. Yeah. Also, I told I told Walk about this woman before uh, before the pod Hilton, but uh, just to let you know, this Amanda Fielding, she was she was into drugs, but she was also into uh, trepanation, which was the art of uh, drilling a uh, art of yeah, creating no, a hole in someone's skull. Me out. Creeps me out. So basically, uh, she thought that. Uh, well, I think she still does think that uh, if you create a hole in one's head that, and then like jiggle it around, it gives you the effects of a psychedelic. So in the seventies, she filmed I'd imagine herself. Imagine it would having a massive drill in your head. <laughs> she would she probably send you a bit loopy. She filmed herself drilling a hole in her own head for science. Oh, is she still alive? Um, she survived. Yeah, she's still alive. She's like in her eighties now. I think she still got the it's... hole in her head. It's like a, I think she's just got like a dint in her head. She just. <laughs> I did search up images. It was a bit disgusting. Like, it's like, what, it's like a big hole, or? Nah, it was just like a little. Like, if you just think like a little drill hole, just think like a little. Like, she just seemed to have like a little chip out of her head almost. Like, it hurts so much. I know, and we're not talking about like a, a ha- uh, an electric drill. We're talking about like a hand drill as well. No. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. What? So if you're brave, like go search uh, 
Amanda Fielding trepanation. I think it's one of the links if you if you search Emma Amanda Fielding on um Google and then and then search trepanation after that, I think. I can solidly say that will not be making the description. Yeah. I I don't think I will do that, to be honest. You know what? I I buy theory. Mm-hmm. I think I definitely think it's it's plausible. I know there was there's some stuff that kind of shat on it a bit, but I'm thinking with like the development of language and stuff like taking these mushrooms, creating new neuropaths and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. I can I can really buy and get behind, and I think it's definitely possible. Mm-hmm. I just think the thing that makes me drawn to the language side of the argument is if you sit down and really think about what a language is. If you've ever tried when you were a kid to create your own language... <laughs> it's just a made-up load of shit, isn't it? <laughs> well, exactly. So for you and one other person to understand it is impressive. Mm-hmm. To be able to create a concept that... I guess maybe this builds into the strength of the community idea of it, but a concept that so many people were willing to run with as a means of communicating is just mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. I just think that so many people aren't creative enough to come up with that it's it's astonishing levels of creativity it's not a case of somebody going oh here's a hit song or here's a painting worth however many million quid as impressive as that is this trumps everything like creating a language that an entire people begin to speak and that fosters into the modern languages we have now is just so mind-boggling the idea that someone could do that or that someone could be helped in doing that by using psychedelics Mm-hmm. And I don't know, finding their, their inner self or whatever bollocks it is that I don't understand. <laughs> I I would buy that. I, I would be fully on board with the idea that that level of human creativity is sort of sparked mm-hmm. something chemical. Yeah, no, I think that. I think I, it's super uh, interesting that one. Yeah, it is. Um, I think it's in. I think it's all pretty interesting. All the stuff with. Uh... The psychedelic side of things. I've been reading a book called uh, "How to Change Your Mind" by a guy called Michael Pollan, who who comes at it from like he usually writes like uh, stuff about food, I think, and like he's more of an anthropologist rather than a someone who's been in this field. So he comes at it from quite a novice uh, a novice view. So it's all quite accessible, all the stuff in the book, but it's all really interesting. Like I've just gotten onto the bit about um, the chemicals, like how they like psychedelics affect your brain and that it's all re- it's all quite interesting and it's all quite up to date because it only came out like last year's i feel like there's been a bit of a resurgence in psychedelics within society because mm-hmm. I, I feel like during the 60s it, it had a a real peak and then i don't really recall up until a couple of years ago maybe it's just as you become older like the audience that you're exposed to changes but I don't really remember people bringing it up or mentioning it. Whereas now, like I've seen people talking about psychedelics on the news, yeah. and like obviously Joe Rogan's done a lot with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and, and he just like maybe that meme has brought it more to the, help bring it more to the forefront again. But I mean, the the sentiment I took is like from this book. It it it's sort of the book I'm reading at the minute. It sort of details like the history of psychedelic research also. And yeah, it was quite it was quite prolific at the start. So we we're thinking forties, fifties, sixties. Yeah, probably more fifties and sixties. 
and then it slowed down after it became sort of more mainstream and now it's picking up again and the sort of sort of thing that I that I took away from that was that in the book it says that you can't really imagine that like this is probably the only field in science that has had like literally nothing happen for like a good 30 year period like this field hasn't been progressed at all from the 60s until right now because it was all illegal and like you can't really think of like any other field in science where that is true but that's the thing like society has shunned the use of psychedelics whereas in almost all ancient civilizations like you mentioned earlier on mm-hmm. it was such a it's such a fundamental part of the history that you learn of like the the mayan people and the um the aztecs and the, yeah. the native americans and yet all of a sudden war on drugs happens and all drugs are bad but there's there has been no progress within the field of, of understanding relative no, to most science. And a lot, the thing, yeah, a lot of that early research was quite well. A lot of it was uh, not very scientifically rigorous as well, because they all the all the people who were doing the research were also banging the drugs. So you, you, yeah. I mean, you can imagine like what that what sort of results that's going to bring up. Like, I think as well, there's a lot of not that this qualifies me to give an opinion. But I did A-level psychology, and one of the things that they really banged on about was ethics. And I feel like a lot of the experimentation that's involved psychedelic drugs, some of which I'm actually going to talk about later on, has been far south of the ethical guidelines that have been set up. So maybe oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. are very developing through that. Yeah, Probably not I mean, very ethical at all, is it? I think it was more... It was just more the misinformation in the sixties. Around in the US, it was LSD, and then in the nineties in the UK, it was more ecstasy. Which I mean, you you can loosely class as like one of these psychedelics. Like it affects differently than your classic ones, but it was all the stigma brought up around it and how it was drug bad, all this sort of stuff. But yeah. I mean, the drug bad idea is mad in itself when you consider what actually classes as a drug, like caffeine, mm-hmm. alcohol, nicotine. There are, there are certain yeah. uh, universally accepted as okay, in inverted commas. Mm. And then there's other ones that just get shunned and the whole class A, class B, class C. That was this, open for discussion. This is, this is going to be my topic for discussion later on, to be fair, actually. Well, I will, I'll we'll leave that. I think we'll leave that and move on <coughs> to your one, I think. It'll yeah, we'll wrap this one up. Yeah. So we all pretty much agreeing with it, in favour of it. I think it's possible. Uh, I think it's pl- plausible. I'm sort of on the fence with it. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking Obviously, because like... there's not a lot of evidence. You can't really get hard evidence yeah. from now. I think it's a nice idea and certainly yeah. possible, but it's impossible to back up. It's a bit like it's a bit like saying like it's a bit before like I don't know because no one really knows what happened in that period to make the brain expand. It's a bit like saying it's a bit like believing the Earth was flat before Galileo looked at the sky and said, "Oh, look at that brown planet." <laughs> <laughs> I actually feel a little bit more strongly about this one in that I don't. Like I've said, I don't understand enough about the evolutionary side of the science to give an opinion on how use of psychedelics would affect human brain structure. Mm. But I am 
like absolutely entirely on board with the idea that use of psychedelics helped primitive humans develop language develop yeah numeracy oh yeah shapes geometry like because there's certain things particularly to do with numbers this is something we should definitely do a special on numbers are in tune with the universe in a way that if you say it like that you sound mad but there's a certain pattern that repeats within elements of of nature yeah that basically is the origin of where numbers come from and i think that the idea that a psychedelic trip might help you see certain patterns and develop certain ideas i am absolutely 100% on board with that mm-hmm. i'm open to to somebody coming out with evidence that shows right okay that clearly had nothing to do with it any evidence i'd be happy to accept i'm i'm in the wrong there but just my gut feeling tells me that there's there's so much behind in terms of potential for it developing the yeah. yeah. side of things definitely i agree mm-hmm. i think you've done a pretty good job there dotty to be fair mm-hmm. i'm quite I, interested I... in this stuff and it's like it was partly in the book of reading yeah go go read go read how to how to change your mind by michael pollan it's good read yeah but yeah i'm pretty much sold on that one yeah and i think we all think it's definitely at least possible anyway mm-hmm. can you live up to that one hilton well, in a way, I can quite solidly say that I can, but I'll leave Big it open statement. to judgment. Big statement. I say that because Dodsey admitted early on that the Stone Date theory isn't even a theory, it's a hypothesis. Mm-hmm. What yeah. I'm going to talk about what I'm going to talk about is actually not a theory, not a hypothesis, it's stonewall fact. There's there's some debate as to certain witness accounts regarding it and so i won't touch too much on that what i'll do is i'll set out the basic it's almost a history lesson and i'm sure every day is a school day it is exactly every day is a school day i'm sure a lot of people who are fans of more traditional conspiracy theories will have heard the term mk ultra before and that's what i'm going to talk about basically mk ultra was a vast program behind psychological programming and mind control effectively that was pioneered by the the u.s government through the the cia in the cold war so obviously world war ii ends the usa and russia emerge as superpowers and in their jostle for power the cold war kicks off but because everyone's too scared of the nuclear weapons they try and steer as far clear from out-and-out warfare in terms of rolling the tanks into each other's countries and shooting at each other as they could. So if anyone's seen the film Bridge of Spies with uh, your favourite actor, Morgan, Tim Honks. <laughs> Tim Honks. <laughs> Don't get me started. He's back again. I swear, I swear to God, he's literally in almost every discussion that we have. It's an absolute plague on my life. Right, he's, 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 probably, he's probably on like Epstein's papers. Like he's He's definitely part of the deep. What was it? The deep state. Deep state. He's the leader <laughs> of deep state. I'm telling you. In in Bridge of Spies, basically, it's about the capture of a of a pilot called Gary Powers uh, by the Soviet Union. He was testing this. <laughs> Gary Powers. <laughs> What's funny about Gary? Yeah, Powers? I don't know. It just reminds it's like me Austin of Austin Powers, isn't it? Yeah, Austin Powers. <laughs> it was like, do you remember that shitty Lego? There was like a shitty Lego movie called like Clutch Powers and Saving Lego City or something like that. I have never heard of that. (laughs) 
His, his middle name was Francis, if that's of any help to you. Gary Francis Powers. I think it was Francis. I'm going to look like a tit if it wasn't. <laughs> but, yeah, so basically this guy got shot down over Soviet airspace when he was he was testing this mad type of plane with a, a ultra-high-definition camera because the whole idea was that the, the US wanted to keep tabs on the Russians without the Russians knowing and without having to overtly send troops into the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So naturally, if you're doing that level of covert operations, what you want is sleeper soldiers, or as MK Ultra's program referred to them, they wanted to create a Manchurian soldier. I can explain what why they called it a Manchurian soldier if you want, but frankly, that's a bit of a GCSE history lesson for you. So I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Um, but basically, there was a time in the late 40s early 50s i think it was i think i think this was early 50s at this point where the united states government made the decision to essentially purchase all global supplies that were available of lysergic acid diethylamide really <laughs> diethylamide <laughs> that's i don't know fuck it it's hard I don't for know how to say it just say lsd in it <laughs> LSD. We tried. We came. We saw. LSD. We so they bought ten kilograms of pure LSD twenty-five, which was enough to dose half of the entire U.S. population at this time. And they put this into various mind control programs within the MK Ultra bracket. And one of them was headed by a man called Dr. Ewan Cameron, and he was like the best of the best for. Mm-hmm for psychological um, research. He was president of the US uh, Psychological Association, president of the World Psychiatric Association. And he'd even been present at the Nuremberg trials in 45 to 46. So he, he, was, he was there with the aim of being an expert in the field, understanding what it was the Nazis had been doing to their, to their victims in their experimentation. Mm-hmm. So he was something fishy should have turned up when they were like, right, okay, this guy's been watching what the Nazis have been doing in terms okay. of experiments. And now he suddenly works for the CIA. <laughs> so um, dodgy is the word I would use. And Mr. Cameron set up a, a process to try and create a state of mind whereby you could be brainwashed by first doing something called ECT, which is electroconvulsive ser- therapy, which is exactly what it sounds like it is. You shock the fuck out of somebody several times it it's still used as a treatment for like severe depression and for all sorts of things mm. and in the right person it can be really effective but they deliberately went over the top with it here to try and make you forget large portions of your of your memories mm-hmm. and then after they'd done that they this is where the drug link comes in they'd hugely drug you up using lsd insulin to put you into a coma or just general barbiturates and other sedatives mm. Because that would supposedly, they thought, put you into a state of mind where you become suggestible. So they'd then do psychic driving where they play like 16 hours a day worth of messages telling you to do something in the hope that that would make them a slave soldier. Yeah. But of course, like you said, Dodzy, LSD doesn't make you more obedient. It opens your mind. Yeah. So the US government rather fucked that one. So having bought all the LSD they could get their hands on to prevent the Soviet Union from getting it, they then found that the idea didn't really work. But what it did do was severely fuck up a few people. Mm-hmm. And 
considering this took place in the the 50s 60s the documents are only declassified in 1975 or like the first set of documents yeah because it was congress a huge scandal wasn't it yeah congress investigated the um the cia for all sorts of illegality and basically found this out and were like right this needs declassified yeah and there've been there has been at least some degree of admission by the the US and Canadian governments that there was wrongdoing because there was a lawsuit in 1980 mm. uh, headed by a man called Louis Weinstein whose son was actually called Harvey Weinstein but not the Harvey Weinstein that we'd not like the Harvey Weinstein <laughs> <laughs> that was a big one literally I found out that it was his son talking in a video that I watched and it was like this is Harvey Weinstein I was like is mm. it? <laughs> it's him <laughs> we're taking his word for it <laughs> but um, no. So the Weinstein class action lawsuit settled in 1988 but there's there's been a barrage of cases that have tried to um, claim compensation from the Canadian and US government since, some of them have succeeded some of them have failed miserably, most of them have failed miserably mm-hmm. but the reason I say that I can meet that is that everything I've said has been released as, as fact. Like, yeah. I'm not, I might have misread a couple of bits on whatever. So if some of the details are slightly wrong, don't hate me. But the general idea that this MK Ultra project was done by the Americans with the aim of creating a Manchurian soldier, like that happened. Yeah. I just think that's mad. It's so horrible. It is. Um, like, I've, from, what, from what I've heard, is like they used LSD because it was the only thing. It was the only thing that sort of pointed towards what they wanted, and it was like the first time they'd like come across something that was actually what they wanted to like might be what they wanted to use it for. If you get me, yeah. So basically, they they chose LSD as one of the the drugs to use in the second stage because it promoted such high levels of brain activity. It was so psychoactively potent that they thought, well if it makes the brain so active, they might be able to jam in information to stick effectively. So that's what the, mm-hmm. the psychic driving was with the messages. Yeah. They thought, well, maybe we can throw shit at the wall and some of it will, will stick on it effectively, <laughs> which I suppose lends itself to the whole thing that we were saying earlier about research hasn't exactly progressed because this was the level of research that supposedly the world's leading experts were conducting, and it was just mm-hmm. wrong. I also know that uh, a lot of the people, I read that a lot of the people testing for it weren't uh, weren't knowingly tested for it either. Well, well, the people who were dosed with the LSD weren't knowingly dosed. There was a, there was a real mix from what I read on this, mm-hmm. in that some of, them, some of them volunteered to take part in government studies and we're told it was to do with like cures to the common cold. Yeah. Some of them were told that it was something top secret, but not what. Some of them were actually illegally done on convicts. So hmm. criminals that they had that they said, look, we'll reduce sentences in exchange for you taking part in this this government test. And so obviously they took it. And you're not talking about doing some some sort of minor damage to someone's psyche. You're talking about effectively vegetalizing a person and then hoping for the best that you can release them back into the world. So you're doing some pretty serious and heinous damage. Definitely. To a human. That's absolutely mental. 
It is. It's horrifying. I've Actually, never heard about it before at all. Have you ne- never? Not not even an inkling. <clears throat> no, never. And that proper eye-opening that they actually thought that that was going to be a good idea. And it just well, shows that the lengths that they'll go to as well to try and stay on top, I guess. Yeah. If you boil it down, it's like... It's literally what the Nazis were doing. Like... Yeah. 10 years, 20 years before. Yeah. I think that the the thing that I take from, from that, particularly given that this Dr. Ewan Cameron was at the Nuremberg trials, it makes you wonder... We view history from the side of the victors. And I know recently with the whole racial tension issues being brought up again, people viewing particularly statues, they'll go, oh, I view this historical figure this way, whereas I view this historical figure that way. Churchill, for example, British people, many of them love him. If you go to India, universally. So it's interesting to think how we would think of our scientists during the war as helping the effort to to further our cause. Whereas if Germany would have won, for example, would they have been the ones subject to the to the Nuremberg trials of, of their their alternative reality? So I think the idea that our government and the US government are just as capable of nefarious acts as any government that we have defeated in a war is something we should all be really quite aware of. A million percent. Like Yeah. We're taught in like in schools and stuff, um, the British Empire, and that seems to be glorified to an extent where everything that we did was was great, was brilliant, blah de blah de blah. But that's it's just not the case at all. Like, yeah, if you look back, some of the stuff that happened during colonialism was just awful. And I think I remember hearing something like the British actually came up with the idea of concentration camps. When yeah, they were they... colonizing Africa, yeah, and it's it's just mad how how much it, when you're exposed to these things later on outside of education that you realize what you've not been taught. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it this is, is the thing that ridiculous. we might all do a fairly light-hearted podcast where <laughs> one week we're talking about Avril Lavigne, another week we're talking about what do you mean other. that's serious shit. Behave yourself. I was trying to make a <laughs> point, but aside from that, quite clearly now serious shit. You can, by just doing a bit of self research, you can open up your mind at the very least to the idea that there's nuance to an argument and nuance mm. to a story. And I think that it's a, it's an important thing that everyone doesn't just take things at face value. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I definitely think. I think I was thinking about this today actually, like to do with like the self research bit. Yes, you should do yourself research, but then there's like other other bits where you're like, no, you shouldn't do self research. Like, like all the, I mean, we talk about conspiracy theories, and a lot of these conspiracies are like peddled by people who do do their own research, and they end up on like some dark web and like say, oh yeah, it's a, everyone's they're all in a paedophile ring and all this sort of deep web stuff. Like, but I think there's a definite difference between being skeptical to what you're first told is the truth and falling down the rabbit hole so to speak and then going right well i've read that the earth is on the back of a turtle flying through space that means it's true it's disc world exactly (laughs) it's all it's all a platform game it's a 2d platform game that's all the universe is 
pretty much. But that's uh, all I have on MK Ultra, effectively. I th- I'd ask for your thoughts as to whether you think it's real or not, but we don't need to do that this week. Totally fake, mate. <laughs> Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> it was all a lie. I just think it's it's properly eye-opening, and I think this week both of the theories that you've put forward, well, theories anyway, not really theories, but what you've both put for- forward has been really interesting mm-hmm. and is something that I'll probably look into more, to be honest. Are you both there? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm waiting for you to introduce the next segment. Yeah, I thought you were going to move on to the next segment, that's why. <laughs> the record I, this stays in as well. I was about <laughs> to start then, but my wife like keeps tripping out and then I have to close Discord and then mm-hmm. rejoin. Every time I go to close Discord and rejoin, I accidentally open Disney Plus by mistake. <laughs> You just really want to watch like Hannah Montana or something like that. <laughs> See, it's just messing with me because when it goes quiet, I don't know if you can actually hear me or not. But oh well. How the fuck am I going to introduce Gentleman's Corner now? Welcome to Gentleman's Corner! Welcome hey! to Gentleman's Corner. Come on! As promised. My favourite bit! <laughs> as promised, it is drug themed. Um, first one I've got lined up for you is the big show versus three milligrams of diazepam. Mm. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, just for a bit of uh, context, I did a bit of research before, as you know. Yeah, I don't know. Can you tell and, us what diap- diazepam does? Um, it basically just knocks you out. Yeah, supposedly one, one milligram will knock you out for eight to 12 hours. Ooh. Right. So then, following on from last week, where I became a massive nerd and started Googling weights and all that, and basically what we found out is I really need a girlfriend. Um, <laughs> the average weight of a man across the world is 62 kilograms. Um, the big show currently weighs 174 kilograms. So he's just under three times the average man. Yeah. And how, how much diazepam? Three, three milligrams. milligrams. Three milligrams. So it's whether you think the big show's got more in him to give, where the weight isn't actually the huge deciding factor here, and it's all about his character. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, is big show pumped up? To the eyeballs on adrenaline. Is he is he currently on a show or is he just chilling in his back garden? Oh, he's on a show. Hmm. The big show in a show. He's ready. He's pumped, mate. And are we saying that diazepam is a sedative? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it should, in theory, knock him out for twelve hours. Um. I mean. <laughs> Three milligrams is a lot. But then so is 174 kilos. I know, but three milligrams is a lot, a lot. Like, it really is a fight to the death. Actually, hang on. Is this, if this is a fight to the death, how can he kill the diazepam? Yeah, that's true. Well, how, well, we mean, he just we had eats to see, it. He just eats see, it, and that's it. He digests it. Last week, didn't we? Hillary? Yeah, the never-ending buffet, which apparently you can defeat by yeah, three that, times you could... your body weight. <laughs> Look, <laughs> <laughs> 
the, the way the diazepam loses is he consumes the three milligrams and he's absolutely fine. No, he's not going to be absolutely fine. He's going to be tripping. He's a, he's a bit. He's a bit dozy, but he'll get over it. That's what we're saying. Hmm. Um, because they use diazepam, according to my my quick Google search, to treat anxiety, seizures, and alcohol withdrawal syndrome. Mm-hmm. So if you treat a seizure, after you, like, the aim is to just completely repress the the activity, surely. But anxiety, like how bad does your anxiety need that you need to get knocked out? So I'm a little confused as <laughs> to how strong the diazepam is. I presume they don't give them a lot of diazepam. Maybe there's like traces of diazepam in there. Oh, uh, you think it's part of like a combined drug? Yeah, I think it must be. You know, unless you're absolutely smart... like bouncing off the walls, <laughs> being so anxious that you, don't know, tearing your hair out. Yeah, and I guess you like wouldn't that. give you straight diazepam. You um, never know. Um, you you said a milligram of diazepam puts you to sleep, or does that kill you? Yeah, puts man. you to puts you to sleep for eight to twelve hours. I'm not I'm not sure what would kill you. I presume oh, if you doubled that... it for an average guy, it would kill you. So to kill the big show, you probably need about six milligrams of diazepam. Re- no, nah, I reckon he's dead off three. To be fair, like... you think uh, he's I dead think... off three. If it's a fight to the death, I feel like the diazepam might knock him out, but he's going to tie some fury and get back up after 8 to 12 hours. I don't think it'll kill him. I don't either. I think he'll go to sleep. I think he'll live. Surely 3 milligrams is not going to kill 174 kilograms worth of Big Show. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think so. It's, so it's such a he lives. approach. He lives. He lives. Lives. Lives to fight another day. He lives. The next fight, talking of fights, the next one I got lined up. Ant Middleton. Oh. The SAS guy. Oh, I thought you meant Ant from Ant and Dick. Um, <laughs> that would be a very different Ant and Dick. He, he would definitely use it if Deck. it was him. That would be a good one. So Ant Middleton, trained SAS elite soldier. And I try, it took me a while to think of who to pair him up against. Because I was thinking, I want to pair him up with someone who's still athletic, can still like climb mountains and run long distances and is a pretty strong dude, but he's just not at that level of Ant Middleton. So I went with Ben Shepherd, but it's Ben Shepherd on a considerable amount of LSD. <laughs> Does that bring him up to the level hand to hand combat versus Ant Middleton? No, of course. No, he's a, he's in a complete other world like He's gonna think he's like fighting a a fucking flower or something like. He's gonna think he's absolutely indestructible though. <laughs> no, he's, he's gonna not. have like. No, he's not. That's not how it works. <laughs> Bro, he's gonna think that Ant Middleton's are like what is it? A refresher. Yeah. <laughs> start licking the. <laughs> He'll start licking the dick. Like. If Ant Middleton punches him, though, I, I don't think he'll feel it. I think he'll just carry on. <laughs> what do you mean? He's in the SAS. He'll fuck him up. <laughs> he's getting... Ant, Ant Middleton's winning that one if he's still on the LSD. Like, If you put Ant Middleton on the LSD, he'd still win that fight. <laughs> if you put Ant Middleton no. on the three fucking milligrams of diazepam, he'd <laughs> 
if I completely misjudge what LSD does it, Ben Shepherd presents goals on Sunday. He's not fucking beating Ant Middleton. Ben Shepherd is what, a very. What do you think LSD guy. does, uh, Alex? I just thought it basically is completely numb him, and that he'd be absolutely mental and just running around everywhere. That's that's not what LSD does. <laughs> not no. it. Oh, what am I thinking of then? I don't know. Roids? Ketamine? Heroin? I don't know. LSD makes you have um, uh, quite strong hallucinations. Are you kidding? I fucked it up. I fucked it up. (laughs) Aunt Middleton would absolutely maul Ben Shepard. Ben Shepard's dead, man. (laughs) That's just just gone bad. I genuinely, I think if you gave Ben Shepard a Panzer tank, Aunt Middleton would still win that fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he'd do some like... My thought process, my thought process was Aunt Middleton would obviously be better. And he'd land more shots, but Ben Shepard just wouldn't feel it. He'd have no pain barrier at all. Right, I'm... He'd just stand there, maybe manage to throw in a few shots if you actually convinced him to fight. Well, I think... And then because he's on LSD, it would expand his mind and he'd find some like alternative way just because he's now using more of his brain to beat Ant Middleton. That was my think, thought process. Well, I think Alex is actually going to go the opposite way. Like, if he's on the LSD, he's going to see Ant, he's going to see Ant Middleton as a friend. He's going to try and, like, yeah, as Hilton said, basically hug him and lick him, basically. Um, Could he lick him to death? No. Oh. I don't think so. I think, I, think, <laughs> uh, I think Ben Shepard should be on, like, either Spice or PCP. And... Uh, the outcome might be a bit different. Yeah, I think oh. that would change things for me. I just think the the LSD. Well, actually, would it even change things? Even then, I think I'd still back out Middleton, but just def- just definitely not on LSD. Shall we sit? I chose the wrong drug, then, haven't I? Yeah. I've shown how uneducated I am about these things. And I'll tell you what, though, that 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 has had me in stitches. That has <laughs> good laugh. That one. I'd like to watch it. I would. <laughs> <laughs> Pay-per-view, mate. Pay-per-view. Oh. Eddie, uh, make it happen. Right, well, I'll wrap up Gentleman's Corner there then because I fucked that one up <laughs> completely. Move on to a new thing. Well, it's not really new because I've stole it from Radio 1. But I want to know your unpopular opinions. Something that you've been too frightened to say before that you're going to get judged by everyone. But now... We're in an open space and it's judgment-free and you can say what you like. And I thought about this because, as you both know, I have a severe dislike of Tom Hanks because he he does just creep me out. There's just something about him that completely creeps me out. And that is my unpopular opinion. I think if we're going with I dislike Tom Hanks, I've drastically pitched mine in a different direction. <laughs> You can, you can say what you like. So it's a free space. I've kept with the theme regarding drugs, and this is an opinion I've held for a long time. Personally, I think that we should declassify every drug and that pharmaceutical companies, if they've got any sense, should hire the current crop of drug dealers to come and work as distributors for them. I say that because of two things. One, if you declassified all the drugs and made them legal, you could then tax the living daylight out of them, which brings you in mm-hmm. a nice amount of revenue for the economy. 
that you don't have to then make up by taxing your everyday trader Joe. But also, there's a part of me that somewhat has a respect for the ability to develop the leads and keep the contact book that a drug dealer has. Of the drug dealer. There's some sort of entrepreneurial spirit involved in that. And I just think, (laughs) well, bring bring them on, on board at GSK. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at the potential for an already established distribution chain. And on top of that, the government could regulate the purity of the drugs you were taking. It would have to be like the biggest drug dealers. No, not I, just your average Joe hanging on a street corner. No, I disagree. I, I'm talking about spice. I'm talking about huge countrywide retraining of these current crop of drug dealers everywhere. I'm not talking about like Pablo Escobar King. I was going to say Pablo. Get Pablo involved. I'm talking about like I'm trying to think of a name of somebody without accidentally saying somebody who could be a drug dealer, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Imagine I imagine I say like Stephen, and it turns out that I know a Stephen who's a drug dealer who listens and is just like, "Oh, you you fucking what, mate?" Like, <laughs> oh, no. why was he Geordie? Why was Stephen Geordie? Uh, it, to be fair, it wasn't even necessarily stereotype. <laughs> It was just Fend Northumbria. Maybe it was just Dodsley. You what? I might have just been thinking of you. Uh, I can't really explain why it was Geordie. Because I am a drug dealer. There you go. (laughs) Dodsley is on a national public broadcast of the Where's Johnny podcast. He is a drug dealer. It's an exclusive. So so I knew this would happen, and I'm not going to get done for anything because you can Because, like, where's your proof? Uh, very good. <laughs> it's like when the police raid your home and find several they, kilograms worth of LSD. They can't, they can't raid my home on just that. Though. It's like there's a picture of you on your Instagram holding a mushroom. <laughs> it's incriminating. It's a portobello, you pleb. <laughs> I didn't identify that one. To be fair, like, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I get where you're coming from with like the regulating drugs and actually making them legal and then you can tax them because we're going to get a bit nerdy here but with like economics the their elasticity of demand means that you could basically charge whatever price you want and because people are addicts they'd still buy it anyway exactly hmm. so you i get that point from it but i, I don't understand why you'd want to train up all these these drug dealers because you could literally put anyone in that position to do that my logic behind this It'd be so easy. Well, think of it like this. Why do people currently deal drugs illegally? Because they need a source of income. And they've not been able to get right. a job. So what I'm saying is legitimize their job, keep them in employment. Unemployment rates decrease because you've now got more people in official employment, less likely to need to rely on the state because they're getting paid by these pharmaceutical companies that are now making even more bank than they already are. So... Do you I, think that would happen though? Uh, I, I don't think that would happen. I reckon they the people just think sell it to crime. I, I think they just sell no. it to big supermarkets and people will go to them instead depends, and get the drugs. It depends what drug you're talking about because, like, so we're we talking about just like ones, drugs that are like synthesized rather than just like pure natural ones. I think I don't know. What, All what, of what them. I'm saying is is a 
a light-heartedly blanket statement, but obviously there'd be practicalities behind some drugs it isn't isn't feasible to stop. But my thought process is that so we're going like the least harmful ones. Well, not even necessarily the least harmful, because to a certain extent, I kind of think that with your own human autonomy, you should be able to make decisions that harm you, but not other people. Yeah, but that's my idea. Like I suppose that's just my point of view. You'd have to find the line in your society to a certain extent but i think that it would benefit the whole population if at least some of the drugs that are currently criminalized were not just decriminalized but legitimized and brought in through these big pharmaceutical mm-hmm. companies uh can i can i interject for a second you may of course I, you I can i want to propose uh, my my unpopular opinion is it's sort of the same as hilton's that um, but I'm just going to word a bit differently. The drug classifications in the UK are absolutely bollocks. Um, Fair enough. So it actually co- it comes to do with the, the harm um, <clears throat> we were just talking about. So I went and had a look at like what, like, because you've got, so there's two ways that drugs are classified in the UK. There's a, there's obviously your class A, B, C, which regulates the legality of it. And then you've got also your schedules, which are schedule one to five. And these detail if there's any, if you could, you're allowed to use them for research purposes. So in class A is mostly opiates, which is understandable. But you've also got your, uh, you've also got amphetamines, um, your try, your tryptomines, your tryptamines, which are your psychedelics, basically. And then in class B, you've got your stimulants pretty much stimulants, and then you've got me- notable mentions of weed and ket as well. And then Class C is mainly full of uh, benzos, such as uh, Valium. Um, now, there's a guy called uh, David Nutt, who, is, uh, who was on the government can... Oh, shut up, man. It's not that funny. <laughs> Are you laughing at Nutt? Uh, oh, man. Well... David Nutt was formerly on the addiction at the government's advisory board for addiction and uh, misuse of drugs. And he published a paper in 2010 called uh, Drug Harm in the UK, a multi-criteria decision analysis. And he, uh, so basically he got all the wide ranging drugs, took a wide range like sample, and then each of them were rated from zero to a hundred on a scale for 16 different classes of harm. Basically, so these were these were widely classified into two sections, like effects that harm your the per, the user basically. So that would be physical harm, psychological damage, that sort of thing, and then the other other part was things that hurt other people. So obviously, like a detriment to the community, economic detriment, like uh, vandalization, like assault, and all that sort. Of and after he'd done this, he found uh, he basically added them all up for each drug and put them on a put them on a graph, basically. And what he found was that alcohol was the most uh, had the highest highest um, risk of harm accompanied with it, and this was higher than heroin, crack, and meth, pretty much. And. Oh. If we go if we go to the other end of the scale, the, the bottom two were well the bottom three 
contained both LSD and shrooms. Now, the thing is, I don't... How... How does this add up to the legality of the of the drug? Like you've got alcohol, which is supposedly the most most dangerous drug or the most harmful drug on this list, and that's 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 legal. However, you've got these mo- least legal, these least harmful drugs in the form of uh, psychedelic mushrooms and LSD, and they're rated class A, which these the the classifications for these drugs are done on in in a in quotation marks danger to the user and other people yet these two drugs don't add up they're not they're not part of this danger it seems a bit muddled doesn't it it's, it's so muddled yes when is that just going... from one study or um, a few studies that have said well, that i mean then? it's it's one it was one study in 2010 however the study had it it said that the the study said that it was it backed up other evidence found by their prior studies and um, studies for, done in the Netherlands, and it was quite funny afterwards because uh, this 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 nut guy after this uh, after this paper came out got fired by the government as well. So uh, <laughs> one of one of his famous <laughs> quotes was a. Uh, well, one of his quotes in one of his books is a, uh, or in a paper, I think, is um, you're, it's more dangerous to ride a horse than it is to take LSD, which is quite saying, which is saying something. Yeah, like, saying anyway. fuck the horses. Don't go anywhere near the grand. No, National. don't go, don't go near, <laughs> don't go near the uh, the glue material. Don't go near the. Uh, <laughs> don't go near the glue. Um. Yeah. So, I personally feel that it's. It doesn't add up in my eyes. And then, like, no. if you go with what Hilton said, um, it would also create if all these drugs were, or a lot of them were illegal, and then you outsource the production to pharmaceutical companies, it would boost the uh, the economy. However, I mean, I have a feeling. I just I don't know if this is true, but I have a feeling that these are uh, the only reason these drugs are class A. It's because the big companies, the alcohol companies, the big tobacco companies, they all have their fingers in the government, I think. I don't know if this is true. But well, it's because they're just making so much yeah, money. That's what, well, I mean, that's what happened in the, uh, in the, ni- in the 90s when uh, MDMA came out because everyone was using it. And then it was mm. originally the, uh, the, the alcohol companies which backed it uh, to make it l- illegal, in the UK at least. Yeah. Because they... they it was going to take away profits from them. I think you could somewhat balance that though, because big, big tobacco, for example, and the the alcohol industry, as far as I'm aware, are largely separate from the wider pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, and I get what you mean about them lobbying governments, but like, if pharmaceutical companies stayed and paid taxes, the amount of money that these massive corporations make is astonishing if they made a commitment to staying and paying their taxes in exchange for being able to make x amount more revenue yeah you might be able to find a balance to that argument that they could out lobby the current lobbyists Mm -hmm. i don't know like i might be completely wrong in terms of the scale of the companies involved i don't know enough on that yeah it'd certainly be worth looking into 
I mean, that's just the that was just the case for MDMA, which is like you would take on a night out if you if you were gonna go night if you're gonna go clubbing, you would take MDMA and you won't be drinking alcohol, which is yeah. like. Like, I mean, it's pretty risky mixing drugs, but I mean, I don't know what that uh, mix is like, but I have a feeling it's not good because you're meant to stay hydrated when you're on a MD. It's probably not ideal. So it's not ideal. So I guess I think that's the angle they were coming from. But I mean, a lot of these drugs aren't like party drugs. Like, you're not going to do a load of shrooms and then go to the club or do, I don't know, a load of uh, LSD and then go go to a party or that. Well, you mean you might, well, but... It's a different kind you of might audience. also fight Aunt Middleton, yeah. you never know. <laughs> and yet, I mean, you might have hallucinations of fighting it. That'd be... That'd be... That'd be scenes. That'd be a painful hallucination. <laughs> might change your life, though. You might come out the other side and it might be like... Something just might click, basically, in your, in your mind. <laughs> click and do what? Inspire you to like, join the SAS? Oh, I have to quick... quick quit drinking after quit smoking or something. Aunt Middleton just flats you and says, you're such a poor, pathetic excuse of a human being. Get yourself together. <laughs> to be fair, I think Aunt Middleton oh, could be dear. quite a funky sleep paralysis demon. Just sat on the end of your bed doing push-ups with one arm. <laughs> that would be scary. Just staring at you the whole time. Doesn't say or do anything except the push-ups and he doesn't blink ever. <laughs> He doesn't blink though, really, does he? No, he doesn't. In fact, if you watch SAS Who Dares Wins, there's a surprising lack of blinking from him, whether or not that's just the editing. Or <laughs> count how many times he blinks. Exactly. The SAS, of... <laughs> the SAS removed his eye, eye, eyelids so he doesn't miss <laughs> anything when he blinks. <laughs> Imagine how dry his eyeballs oh, are. No. That'd be horrible. <laughs> oh, no. It's like thinking about your. Out. It's, yeah, it's like thinking about your bones being wet. Your bones are wet. So thanks. So weird, isn't That's it? Horrible. That's horrible. Speaking of counting, how many drugs do you reckon you're currently up to, Walker? Um, I've no idea. If you had to hazard I've a not guess. been keeping count at all. If I had to hazard a guess, just for me, Probably, I've definitely not hit 50 at all. I think probably about 18. I think we should have people, we should put up a post or like a poll asking people to submit guesses. We should have how many times you say it, Walker, and how many times it's said throughout the whole podcast. Throughout the whole podcast, I reckon we've definitely said it at least 50 times. I think we're more than that. I think we could be quite a lot more than that. I'd say, if I had to hazard a guess, I'd go with 72. That's a lot. That's a should, lot. We actually send out a, should we actually send out a prize for whoever gets the closest guess? I don't know if I've lost you again, or if there's no one's saying anything. Oh, no. We are here. No, I've definitely lost you this time, fucking hell. I think we've lost you. We're, you're here, we're here. Yeah, I can hear you. But yeah, I don't know what the prize would be. Kill... A kilogram of something, just a, a random something. A kilogram of anything. To be fair, I think a, I think like a random a random buy off Amazon could be funny. Yeah, we'll definitely just, could be. We'll just not we'll not tell you because 
we could do that every so often, every few episodes. We could do a little. We're not, I'm, we're not a gonna giveaway. Buy, yeah, we're not going to buy like an Apple Watch because we're all poor. But yeah, a Where's Johnny prize would be quite a good thing to do. Oh, we should get merch. Whoa, Mate, I was thinking this. Oh. I was thinking this. We should get merch. We should so get merch. I was thinking about the the, the slogans we could have on the t-shirts. We could have like we've just we've we've got completely sidetracked on it. And then we could also have <laughs> a cog, another cog, a cog in the another. Oh, sorry, like a cog in another cog in another the cog. episode. You, Fuck you me! can't even say your own catch. <laughs> it's another cog in an ever-turning wheel. I reckon that would be fucking hilarious. Oh man, you, you can't, can't even say your own catchphrase. We should get T-shirts made up for when we do the the video. I lost episodes. you both again. Fucking hell! Yeah, I think we should, Hilton. That'll be mint. It's a good thing Walker started losing us just when we were coming towards the end of the show. I know. Hello. 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 This is properly pissing me Don't off. Don't worry, the edit will sort it out. I keep loading up Disney Plus like, <laughs> fuck me. It's like, you know what, I'm angry now. I'm just going to end it there. <laughs> great, epi- great episode. Pretty much done anyway. Fucks up Gentleman's Corner. But oh well. I thought Gentleman's Corner was a, a classic for the ages. Ben Shepherd versus Aunt Middleton. <laughs> <laughs> Fucked up that. Um, I didn't say drugs enough. Drugs. Drugs, drugs, drugs. <laughs> and my Wi-Fi is from a sweatshop. <sighs> I think I'm just going to have to call it a day. It's been a great episode, as always. And a pleasure chatting to you boys again. Indeed. Pleasure as always. Um, but I think I'm going to have to call it a day. So, see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>